This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning. Welcome to the Business Hour. Today's business at hand is the business of protecting natural resources in an urban environment. Communities all around the U.S. and, for that matter, all around the world have begun to recognize the value of protecting natural resources, and not just for health and beauty reasons, uh, but at, or for just re- recreational reasons. We've, we've known for a long time that there's a value to having parks, but we're understanding more and more that there are even economic reasons for municipalities in particular and counties, and we're seeing that some cities are in competition to see who could actually be greenest, and one of the reasons that that's happening is that there is actual data that has been produced indicating that communities where there are parks, there are recreational opportunities uh, in green spaces uh, that are passive uh, and, of course, active, but it's the passive part of a green space that we're going to be focusing on And so cities are learning to protect their tree canopies, their watershed areas, to generate more and more passive uh, park area. And one such city is the city of Sandy Springs here in Georgia, in the U.S. And so I am very pleased to have as my guest Bill Cleveland, the chairman of the Sandy Springs Environmental Project, to talk about how his organization is working hand-in-hand with the city, the county, the state, public and private parties, to preserve its natural resources for generations to come. Welcome to the Business Hour, Bill. Thanks, Ron. Pleasure to be here. Now, Bill, let's start with a little bit of a background on the origins, and then we'll talk about the mission of the Sandy Springs Environmental Project. Uh, you you must have uh, seen a, a void or a need. I know that the city of Sandy Springs has a conservancy group that is active in doing some really good work in the creation of, of green space and conserving uh, some of the tree canopy and the watershed uh, and in creating um, parkland. But there are other groups that are essentially lying dormant. Uh, Atlanta is famous for the organization Trees Atlanta, which has done a, a wonderful job of, of trying to maintain the tree canopy of the city of Sandy Springs, or rather the city of of Atlanta, but also the metro region. And Sandy Springs um, did have an attempt, we'll say, to create a a sister organization called Tree Sandy Springs, but that organization seems to be lying dormant. And even if that organization were active, the Sandy Springs Environmental Project, your group, seems to have a little bit of a different orientation. So did you see a need for the SSEP? And tell us a little bit about um, how you arrived at this concept and 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 what the mission of the organization is. Okay, l- let's go back to, to 2010. Um, at that time, uh, I chaired a, a group of uh, neighborhoods and civic organizations that were um, working under the banner of the Sandy, Sandy Springs Stormwater Coalition, and that was um, that was really the first effort 
to to get a watershed improvement plan for the for the community. And there was some intense lobbying uh, for about a two year period. And one of the things that, that that stuck in my mind during that time period was there was a complete lack of commonly adhered to data on uh, the environment. And both the, the city administrators at that time, which are different from the ones that we have right now, and the community really didn't have a, a common language to sit down and discuss something. Uh, and the, the second thing that came that impressed us uh, during that time frame was the the fact that that really the a lot of the flooding and water sh- watershed issues are related to canopy and development, uh, and that's really uh, eventually in 2012 we did get a watershed improvement plan, uh, and but at that time a lot of people th- thought, well we can't come keep just showing up at uh, council meetings expressing our opinion. We need a more permanent organization that focused both on the canopy and the water quality issues. Let me me interject here with a question, Bill, because I think a lot of listeners out there may not understand. I believe that most people, when they think in terms of storm water, they think, oh, there's a storm, creeks fill, rivers fill, they overflow, but most people don't really understand some of the problems associated with the way that stormwater is treated, and they don't n- understand the difference between uh, stormwater and sewage systems. So let's back up yeah. for a second and see if you can explain to people why a municipality would even want to focus on the issue of stormwater, okay. and then we'll, we'll, we'll pick it up. That would be great. It's, a, it's an excellent point. First, municipalities uh, were mandated under the 1972 Clean Water Act uh, to be responsible for the pollutants that that basically were transported from their public properties, such as roads, uh, and into the creek. And it, and Sandy Springs, uh, the the most prominent uh, form of pollution is fecal coliform, which uh, basically travels from impervious uh, sites such as a shopping center or a road and 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 the the immediate uh, catalyst is is the rain the stormwater it's taken down uh, you've seen them as you've been uh, uh, driving along a neighborhood street you'll see these little slits in the road where where the water drains from the road and into the uh, uh, the outfall. The outfall takes it then to a creek or, or stream. In, in fact, Bill, um, just and, and, and pardon my interjection here, but I don't want to forget that just yesterday in the news here uh, in uh, the metro area, uh, it was reported that uh, fecal coliform levels in the Chattahoochee River uh, which forms a 20-mile uh, border for the city of Sandy Springs, are up 10 times what is considered to be normal. And when you have the major source of, of water that leads to the creeks and the other tributaries, uh, you're carrying uh, those levels of contamination into uh, the, the neighborhoods, if you will, uh, and, and spreading throughout. Yeah, yeah, and, and <coughs> the, the the important point for the 
current conditions is um, it's untreated when it goes from the from the roads into the outfalls and into the creeks. Now you can have fecal coliform when where a sewer line is damaged and erupts. That's another prominent source. But those tend to be spikes. They're not. They're, but the constant is the the transportation of pollutants, you know, from the impervious surfaces of the shopping centers or roads, uh, and into the streams. And, and again, for clarification purposes, it's not that these uh, fecal coliform uh, levels originated in the river. The river is um, uh, a a basin. For those yes. uh, surface water, uh, the uh, uh, sur- surface contaminants, if you will, uh, in which it, it, it's almost more the reverse, I guess. Some of those uh, fecal coliforms are created uh, in the creeks and streams and tributaries that then go into the yeah. uh, the larger river. Right. Um, so when we were forming the SSEP, we were looking around for a framework, a way to develop those facts uh, about the environmental conditions that exist Uh, and and basically we we decided that there needed to be a quantitative analysis a way to to use technology to better define what is actually happening so so often it was an opinion of another person or an administrator or whatever Uh, and so we we set out to um, uh, develop a quantitative framework for uh, defining the issue, environmental issues in Sandy Springs. And one of the things that happened, one of the very fortunate things that happened, was we eventually uh, connected with Dr. Elizabeth Kramer at the at the University of Georgia. And Liz Kramer heads their Natural Resources Spatial Analysis Lab. And Narsal great technical strength is it can take satellite imagery uh, break it down into data bits and then use uh, GIS technology to uh, basic, basically simulate uh, um, drainage patterns you know, how water drains from uh, the public areas down into the creeks now this is of extraordinary uh, importance and, and, and utility because now you can you can define the paths where the, the pollutants how, uh, how they get into the into the streams and if you can define those paths you can intercept pollutants before they actually uh, um, get into the streams and we were fortunate to be able to persuade the city council to fund uh, a citywide environmental modeling project. And that project is, has been funded, the, the study is underway, and it can offer extraordinary benefits. It, it's, it's, uh, it's a different paradigm. Uh, instead of a, reactive po- a set of reactive policies where we're trying to clean things up, we're trying to prevent the pollution from entering the, uh, the streams. And you know, to translate this into day-to-day activity and creating a, a safer environment, I mean, I, I think uh, a lot of folks uh, who who uh, may have grown up in environments, um, particularly folks that grew up in this metro environment, 
Atlanta is a metropolitan area with a lot of um, uh, creeks and tributaries from those creeks that, that, that reach out into the neighborhoods. And a lot of kids grew up playing in the water, uh, particularly after the rains. Uh, it's just a fun thing to do as a child. Um, I know that growing up in the West Coast where water wasn't nearly as abundant, it was a real treat <laughs> to get out and play in the puddles uh, after um, heavy rains. And uh, if those waters are contaminated, it is a definite health concern. We're going to be taking a break, but when we come back, Bill, we'll have you uh, elaborate even more on the Sandy Springs Environmental Project's scientific orientation, how that carries over into public policy, how the SSEP is a advocacy group uh, to help uh, protect watersheds and uh, tree canopy. We're here with Bill Cleveland of the Sandy Springs Environmental Project. We'll be back with Bill right after this break. Could an app be the answer to a better garden? Absolutely. It's the new free app, Homegrown with Bonnie Plants. Note, track, and photograph your garden's progress. Personalize your weather and reminders. Get variety info, grow guides, hands-free dictation, and more. The Homegrown with Bonnie Plants app. The sharpest tool in your garden. Download it free on the App Store. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Do you have problems with sinus pain and pressure? Do other people smell things that you don't? Have you lost the joy in eating because food just doesn't taste like it used to? Is your nose always stuffy no matter what you do? Maybe you have sinus or nasal polyps. These are generally benign growths that occur from chronic sinus infection or allergies that are either undertreated or have not been treated at all. At Peachtree ENT Center, we specialize in minimally invasive balloon dilation sinus surgery and correction of a deviated nasal septum and turbinate reduction surgery that can be done in the office. We use a state-of-the-art equipment so that you can see the problem. You will be a partner in your care, and together we will decide the course of treatment. We believe in old-fashioned medicine, where we take the time to fix the problem, not just medicate the symptoms. You can rest assured that all options will be offered before surgery is recommended, because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Bill Cleveland the chair of the Sandy Springs Environmental Project, and we've been talking about the SSEP's mission. Uh, we talked about its origin and, and, and the need for creating an organization that focused on the protection of watershed environments to deal with storm water issues, but also the protection of the tree canopy, which we'll be getting into in just a bit. But before the break, Bill was talking about the SSEP working with the University of Georgia and the city of Sandy Springs working with Dr. Liz Kramer. And in essence, it, it, that relationship is symbolic of the SSEP's desire to leverage current environmental science. And the work that Dr. Liz Kramer is performing is 
very much on the leading edge of uh, environmental assessment. And uh, tell us a little bit more, Bill, about uh, the, the, the value of utilizing, of leveraging this, this kind of uh, scientific analysis uh, for the benefit of, of, of healthy um, creeks, streams, rivers, bodies of water. Okay. Um, the, what uh, environmental modeling does, as like I said earlier, was is to identify the, the paths the pollutants take into the, into the streams. Now, because it's such a scalable approach, you can do an entire city at, at a very low cost. You can do a region if you wanted to. You could take one of the larger watersheds in the state and do it. And for this reason, it has it's 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 much anticipated uh, by other political entities. The state's interested in whether or not that this this can be uh, uh, applied to some of their projects. Uh, uh, environmental modeling pr- uh, promotes regionalism. You know, in terms of looking not just looking at the watershed in Sandy Springs, but all of North Fulton. Uh, the river keeper um, would benefit from from uh, a successful application of environmental modeling because it would allow them to look at a, a larger uh, an entire stretch a 48 mile stretch through the use of uh, uh, satellite imagery in, in fact during the break uh, and and before the break uh, on, on the air I, I had mentioned something about the fecal Coliform levels uh, in the Chattahoochee River uh, being ten times uh, what they uh, should be, and the effect on creeks and tributaries. But it is also true that a lot of that fecal coliform uh, level is influenced by what goes on. Um, in the tributaries associated yes. with the creeks back into the river and so it's 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 almost an ebb and flow uh, that goes in both directions and if some of that contamination takes place uh uh, uh Outside of the region, it's coming down the Chattahoochee River, and then it's uh, coming into the uh, the creeks and the uh, the tributaries. Uh, that's good to know. If it's the reverse, if a lot of that is being generated more locally, and um, it, it, it is true that in a lot of metro environments, um, and Atlanta is no exception, uh, in many cases there are almost as many homes with septic tanks as there are homes that are on the sewer system. And so there is some potential uh, uh, for um, leakage, and um, it'll be good to know, you know, where uh, the fecal coliform and other forms of uh, contamination and toxins are are originating. Yeah, Uh, you're right. Uh, It's just not just... uh if, if 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 a community has a stream that empties into the Chattahoochee, everything in that stream is is being dumped into the Chattahoochee. All the pollutants, are, uh, so you get a cumulative effect. Um, let's let's um, let's we'll come back to watershed, but let's talk a little bit about tree canopy. Uh, 
many communities have taken note that a lot of their trees are being uh, eliminated, that there's uh, clear-cutting by developers, that there uh, are... uh, there's the removal of trees even by by uh, residents and and sandy springs is is a city that that certainly doesn't want to be heavy-handed in restricting what people can do with their own trees doesn't want to be overly restrictive with uh developers when it comes to uh removal of trees for the purposes of development but at the same time they 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 strive to encourage better environmental practices when it comes to development where fewer trees are removed uh, or where trees are replenished. Um, There are various um, uh, mechanisms. Some cities have effectively adopted tree banks so that if you take out some trees, trees are replanted. Um, Part of the problem in, in cities... Uh, like Sandy Springs in the larger metro area is that most of the trees do exist in our yards, our front yards mm-hmm. and primarily our backyards. And so when a developer comes in to build, oh, five homes on one side of a street, um, you can Google map it and you can see that those homes have been developed with larger footprints, so they needed to have some trees removed. Then, of course, uh, you have uh, families that want to have a little bit of grass in front, a little bit of grass in the back, and the next thing you know is 40 to... 60 or 70 percent of the trees have been removed from a site and compared with the existing properties there's a big difference and you know i suggest that anybody look at a google map of your your neighborhood and uh, parts of your city and you will see that this is a trend that goes on everywhere the key to reversing that of course is planting more trees you know you, you replacing those trees and In some cases, tree banks aren't really all that effective because it's a matter of putting trees back close to where they were removed that makes the biggest difference so that a municipality's or a county's or a region's uh, tree canopy is something that has to be maintained and there are various mechanisms for it. And one of the things that if I'm not mistaken, the Sandy Springs Environmental Project is doing is trying to look at ways of evaluating what a tree canopy is, mm-hmm. tracking um, that tree canopy's uh, growth or, or, or shrinkage, and um, trying to maintain it at levels um, which uh, are good for a variety of reasons. Health, certainly aesthetics. But we have found that cities that have more trees and that are greener attract uh, more people that want to pay to have nice homes. Mm-hmm. So there's an economic um, benefit that, that has been overlooked oftentimes. So with all that in mind, tell us what the SSEP uh, is doing and why um, protection of tree canopy and evaluation of tree canopy and leveraging of science in in this regard uh, to tell us about uh, what the SSEP is doing related to tree canopy. Okay. Well, you know, we're very fortunate in Sandy Springs. The last uh, published data indicated there was 62% uh, canopy coverage. Uh, That's, nationwide, that's an extraordinary number. Um, But 
if you've lived in Sandy Springs for either even five or ten years, you've noticed the incredible amount of wildlife. I've seen bucks in my backyard, foxes, uh, coyotes, uh, people have seen hawks, and even I know one one man who claims to have at least seen a bald eagle. Uh, but so we we kind of take a view that what we're dealing with is a forest, a functional forest. It's got streams, it's got woodland, it's got aquatic life, uh, and we think that's where the, the emphasis should go. So uh, we're at a, hmm, a pre- preliminary research stage, but um, we've been dealing with uh, Jamie Blackburn of Arbor Garden. I believe you had his boss on the on your show. That's right. Spencer Rosenfeld of Arborguard uh, was a guest on this program, and, and one of the reasons I asked him to come on was because uh, Arborguard is recognized as being one of the most forward-thinking companies um, that works with cities, counties, and um, private uh, developers uh, to maintain healthy um, tree canopies. You know, they're they're yeah. they're not just a company that comes in and will eliminate trees, but they'll yeah. do it in the most intelligent way possible. And then it also helps companies to uh, and and municipalities and counties uh, to add trees back to the tree canopy, as well as other horticulture. And uh, the gentleman you mentioned, Jamie Blackboard, uh, Blackburn, is a is a new breed of urban horticulturist and in fact I think that's what his degree is yeah. in uh, from uh, Cornell University and uh, I understand he's working with you yeah we're going to be taking a break but when we come back let's pick up and let's talk about some of the work that uh, Jamie Blackboard and Arbogard, uh is is doing um, with regard to um, in essence supporting the Sandy Springs environmental project so that we um, um, we can see uh, a real difference in in in, in uh, the tree canopy as opposed to just talking about it theoretically. One of the things that Arbogard does is actually, um, again, plant trees uh, add to uh, the urban horticulture of a of a given environment and not just uh, uh, act as an advisor or be involved in the uh, the elimination of trees. Um, there is there is some value to identifying which trees. Uh, need to be eliminated. Mm-hmm. Healthy trees, you know, to maintain a, a healthy tree canopy, and that's one of the things that Arbogard does is identify um, when it is that there are trees to be eliminated versus uh, when it is that um, uh, you should refrain from uh, cutting down trees and, and planting trees. And, and this fellow, Jamie Blackburn, um, I think is right there uh, on behalf of Arbogard at the forefront of. Uh, of, of urban horticulture, which is sort of at the uh, the core of much of what we're talking about when we talk about tree canopy. We're talking about maintaining uh, the healthy forest. And by the way, you mentioned uh, seeing fox and and, uh, and deer. Uh, I think a lot of folks in Sandy Springs uh, see uh, turtles in, in the creeks yeah. and see um, uh, possum and raccoons. Uh, and although some of these critters could be a real nuisance uh, to some folks, I mean it's part of um, the peaceful coexistence with the animals yeah. that have uh, been here. Uh, so that when you tra- protect the uh, um, the tree canopy, you protect their habitat. We're going to be taking a break now, and uh, when we come back, we'll, we'll pick up on uh, 
the ur- urban horticulture work of folks like Jamie Blackburn and, and how he's uh, working with uh, the Sandy Springs Environmental Project right after this break. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Have you tuned in to the Master Gardener Hour lately? We have a brand new look. Come and join me, the new host, Kate Copsey, every Saturday at 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And we're here with Bill Cleveland, the chair of the Sandy Springs Environmental Project. And, you know, part of the beauty of, of, of this program is that, um, admittedly, um, I um, rely on a lot of Atlanta-based businesses, and not strictly uh, Atlanta uh, region and um, the, the metro areas, uh, organizations, uh, companies, and, and experts in various fields, um, Last week, uh, listeners will uh, remember that we had Dr. Robert Mace from the Texas Water Development Board, who's just a real expert on water resources, and it's it's a very timely issue, both for drought purposes, but also because of flooding. Um, and, you know, we will reach to other parts of the country, but what goes on in the Atlanta metro region, and today specifically the city of Sandy Springs, a, a northern uh, a, a adjacent suburb uh, of Atlanta, is a microcosm for what's going on nationally. And what we're talking about uh, is a city that is trying to be environmentally protective in a smart way, um, again, for purposes of not just natural beauty uh, or even economic reasons, which they've uh, learned of, but, you know, for overall health. And, and in a moment, we're going to be talking a little bit about some of those uh, economics 
and why it is that groups like ArborGuard, I think, um, stand to become more and more in demand by cities and counties. And before the break, you were talking about a conversation that you had with Jamie Blackburn, who is an urban horticulturist with uh, ArborGuard. Uh, tell us a little bit about that conversation. Yeah, it's <coughs> the conversation Jamie and I had were, was uh, related to what are the key characteristics of an urban forest. And by nature, we're talking about broad characteristics, not just trees, not just streams, not just water quality, not just wildlife, but the whole forest. And the idea is that we would eventually be be able to go back and study it from a quantitative uh, standpoint. But first, we needed to define what the key, key characteristics key characteristics actually are and the first is the ability of the forest to regenerate itself you've got to have uh, adequate land and and quality soil Um, you have to have a a relative absence of invasive plants invasive plants can can, uh, destroy the soil inhibit the growth Um, you have to have um, Diversity in the in the forest. You, uh, no more than ten percent of e- any genus or five percent of any species to to guard uh, against uh, uh, a particular disease decimating the forest. Um, and you've got to have age diversity. You don't want the forest to be entirely old because it, it's going to decline at all all the same time. Basically, you would want to see a bell-shaped curve where you have uh, emerging, mature, and declining distributed almost um, uh, evenly. So the forest has, have, has to have the ability to regenerate. It also has to have uh, a the absence of some things and one of them would be floodplains that expand and and um, impinge upon the forest because that can that can actually in- encourage the uh, the introduction of invasive invasive species obviously erosion um, so we w- we would be looking for um, a relatively stable floodplain um, now, even then, that, that's in Sandy Springs. That's that, getting a stable floodplain would be good, but even a shrinking floodplain would be even better. Um, yeah, and, and the canopy of, of a forest needs to be able to filter out pollutants. You know, store it, uh, air. It can filter out air pollutants. It can store uh, carbon. Um, so. And it has to be able to intercept the rainwater to pre- help to pre- prevent uh, uh, erosion in the residential areas. Um, and you have to have water quality sufficient to uh, support wildlife and fish. Uh, so those are... Uh, and finally, the development in the forest needs to be sufficiently buffered from the uh, ecological habitats and the and the... And the Wildlife corridors that allow animals to move back and forth in pursuit of water and food. 
So, but that's that's sort of a, a different approach than let's measure every little tree that that we're going to preserve. It's a much broader approach, but ultimately, I think we think it's going to be more successful. Like I said, we're we're, we're partnering with with Jamie. We're also in contact with DNR Forest Service, and when. When UGA is back in in session in the fall, I'm sure we'll be going over to asking asking their input on, on this stuff. Uh, but it's it's a quantitative approach, you know, you know, uh, uh, defining what is good in terms of all those those variables, um, uh, analyzing them, and then seeing how how we as a community stack up against the key characteristics of an urban forest. You know, in some sense, it's the evolution of uh, the science of, of urban environment, um, which is are probably two words that, that didn't ever appear together uh, until uh, a few years back, but we now recognize that there are uh, multiple dimensions to a healthy forest, and uh, thankfully we have folks uh, like Jamie Blackburn and organizations like ArborGuard that are looking at the interplay of all those different uh, dimensions uh, and uh, help us better understand how you maintain that balance and how you maintain um, a, a healthy a healthy forest and and healthy urban uh, horticulture, if you will, and healthy urban zoology um, beyond. Uh, so that we're talking about healthy uh, urban habitat and and you have communities like Sandy Springs and cities like Atlanta where people really do want to peacefully coexist with a lot mm. of the wildlife. You know, wildlife habitat is diminishing. How do you figure out where to draw the line, uh, which critters uh, you, you, you want to push out and which you want to allow and, and peacefully uh, coexist with? And, uh, and in some sense, I see that the Sandy Springs Environmental Project will be looking at Helping to manage those um, those dimensions, those multiple dimensions beyond trees and beyond creeks, uh, looking at larger watersheds, looking at the larger tree canopy, looking at the interplay between the tree canopy, the watershed, and uh, the the habitat for for wildlife uh, in the urban setting. And a lot of people might ask, well, um, why a group like SSEP? Why isn't it just a function uh, more internally of, uh, of city management? Um, what do you What do you say to that, Bill? Why 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 is SSEP um, managing to be uh, an effective uh, independent organization that can partner with municipalities like mm-hmm. Sandy Springs um, and engage? Um, the support of some expertise like that at ArborGuard and, and Jamie Blackburn. Um, you know, what, what, what's the basis for uh, having an independent organization like SSEP? Well, I always like to point out that the government, particularly local government, is, is very broad. If you look at the charter, you know, the, the mayor and city council and the administrators are being asked to be experts in transportation, you know, um, urban design, um, uh, construction of sidewalks, roads. The list goes on and on and on. There must be at least 20 discrete professions that, that are uh, chartered on, in Sandy Springs. 
so they can't do it alone. And and some of the uh, reports that from the U.S. Uh, mayor's conference indicate that the effective cities are ones that partner with nonprofits uh, so that so as to be more effective. Um, the, the other thing is we're not trying to assume control or or, or uh, when, we, when we're, we're more study oriented and this, there's a there's a, uh, a maybe something that we haven't talked about. We're trying to provide a set of information that the average listener can can under, can read and understand, the average councilman can read and understand, and the two two sides can have a, a, a civilized conversation on on the pros and cons of several different policies. In, in some sense, um, SSEP is acting a little bit of a, as a clearinghouse uh, of information and and helping to educate. Uh, the public on some of the things that we've been talking about, about yeah. you know what goes into urban uh, forestry, uh, tree canopy protection, uh, uh, watershed protection. Yeah, and and the other thing, and this is probably more immediate. Uh, the city center project has consumed everybody at at, at city hall. It, 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 you can't perform all those functions well. If everybody is everybody's attention has to be diverted to the city center projects, plus the enormous amount of uh, attention devoted to redevelopment of the of the uh, commercial core. Uh, so th- those those do, those things kind of mitigate against the city being able to devote time and resources uh, to some of these uh, environmental um, issues. Now. Um, the Sandy Springs Environmental Project um, will have um, projects, if you will, um, uh, under the banner of the SSEP, uh, even as you uh, advocate for leading-edge uh, natural resources protection uh, and uh, help to educate the, the public and become a clearinghouse of information. Um, there will be actual projects uh, that you advocate for um, and that you generate uh, information about. And, and my understanding is that uh, one such project that um, you uh, came across uh, was a concept by a gentleman, uh, Mario uh, Campardello, uh, while he was a student at uh, Georgia Tech. And um, I uh, don't think I have to remind uh, too many uh, local listeners that uh, uh, Georgia Tech has fostered uh, a couple of very leading-edge urban uh, design uh, concepts that, 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 that became reality, one being the Atlanta Beltline was a thesis by a Georgia Tech student, and the other is the formation of the Atlanta Regional Commission. So this gentleman, Mario Camberdella, is in uh, a good company, uh, having created a, a, a thesis um, on a, uh, a a greenway, and and we're going to take a break. But when we come back, I, w- I want to have you tell us just in general terms, because we we'd like to have uh, Mr. Camardello back on the program to give us the specifics. But we definitely want to uh, give a tip of the hat to his concept and how the SSEP yeah. uh, hopes to work uh, with Mr. Camardello. We're here with Bill Cleveland of the SSEP. We'll be right. 
back after this break. Could an app be the answer to a better garden? Absolutely. It's the new free app, Homegrown with Bonnie Plants. Note, track, and photograph your garden's progress. Personalize your weather and reminders. Get variety info, grow guides, hands-free dictation, and more. The Homegrown with Bonnie Plants app. The sharpest tool in your garden. Download it free on the App Store. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Bill Cleveland, the chairman of the Sandy Springs Environmental Project, and we're we're talking about um, very leading-edge public policy related to uh, the protection of natural resources in an urban environment in a way that uh, isn't just your uh, average tree hugger, let's protect uh, our forest, our tree canopy, our watershed, uh, serves that function, but but is a smart approach to uh, urban uh, sustainability and in fact, um, last year, Bill, you and I were both in attendance at a uh, presentation uh, hosted by the uh, Sandy Springs Conservancy, who we also want to give a tip of the hat uh, to because they're doing some great things in terms of green space creation, uh, you know, parks and, and, and connectivity. And, and the SSEP will hopefully be partnering with the Sandy Springs uh, Conservancy on, on, on projects, uh, including the project that I'm about to have you describe. But I want to set it up. Um, the presentation by Ed McMahon last year from the Urban Land Institute was was can be simplified, and pardon my simplification, but it, but it could be reduced to if you have green space, you can have a golf course, and you can have uh, a few folks playing golf, and that's a great thing for for uh, uh, members uh, and uh, of a country club or, or, or golfers. Um, but it's also true that if you have green space and you have homes surrounding that green space, uh, if it's more park-like, you have uh, a few more people able to take advantage of it, and it raises the home value of those homes surrounding the green space in the same way that the homes surrounding the uh, green space that is the golf course. And so we are beginning to understand those economic implications. And then this year, uh, the uh, Sandy Springs Conservancy uh, had at its annual dinner uh, uh, Dr. Uh, 
Crompton uh, from Texas A&M University, and and John Crompton uh, is their uh, recreation, park, and tourism sciences uh, professor who talked about the role of parks and trails in building strong communities and improving the tax base of those communities because corporate headquarters want to come to uh, areas which have environmental protection uh, policies in place uh, that are cleaner and greener, and uh, consequently those more affluent residents um, uh, improve the, 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 the local economics. That brings us to a concept that uh, you uh, came across. Uh, tell us about uh, the Marsh Creek Greenway. And again, before the break, I mentioned that this was a concept uh, created by uh, Mario Camberdello, uh, a landscape architect, uh, f- and this was a thesis while he was at uh, Georgia Tech. Tell us a little bit about this concept. It's a great concept. Uh, we hope that it will get off the ground uh, here in uh, Sandy Springs. Yeah, it, it's, it was sort of an interesting uh, uh, scenario. Uh, we were doing research on Marsh Creek, and we ran across um, Mario's uh, name and the fact that he had um, come up with this uh, idea of a greenway along Marsh Creek between Roswell Road and UPS. Uh, and he did it as a... Uh, senior thesis for his landscape degree um, it it's it's the type of thinking that that communities like Sandy Springs need because it, it uh, we don't have a lot of open space that that uh, um, that can be turned into magnificent parks. It's just not there. So you ha- it would be expensive. For example, you know, I mean, you know, to to ask you know a few homeowners that are selling their homes to uh, make it available uh, for parkland or green space. Some of which is happening on a smaller scale. There are some yeah. parks that have been created from residents that have uh, um, uh, bequeathed their property to the city. But uh, for the city to go out and try to buy massive yeah. parkland would be cost prohibitive. Uh, that's why Mario's concept was so innovative. It, it basically said, "Let's follow the sewer easements," and 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 what that does is opens up a lot of possibilities for uh, accessing uh, green space uh, that weren't just obvious. You know, if if you follow the easements, you might you could conceivably o- open up maybe thirty acres worth of of uh, uh, land that could be open to the public. And, and to, to back up to help um, people uh, out there that, that don't understand the concept of an easement, an easement could be uh, a section of land that is protected for the purposes of uh, pipelines, power lines, mm-hmm. or in this case we're talking about creeks which are protected. There's an easement uh, with buffers that protects a creek and the particular creek you're talking about, Marsh Creek, which comes off the mighty Chattahoochee River uh, stretches almost the entire width of the city of Sandy Springs. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's it's cuts east to west, uh, but we're all, we're not talking about the ent- entirety of Marsh Creek, but just a, a section of of maybe one and a half two miles from Roswell Road going east. Uh, let me let me also clarify. You know, you mentioned from Roswell Road east toward um, Georgia State. 
400, a highway which is uh, the size of uh, most interstates. Yeah. And so uh, there are uh, boundaries, man-made boundaries here, a, a major boulevard, a major highway. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there is another thoroughfare uh, that cuts uh, east to west. And the property we're talking about is just north of that, and, it, and and the significance of it is that this is a real urban environment, you know, yeah. with, with with homes, commercial businesses, uh, corporate settings, and uh, you know, roads and highways. Yeah, and and but the beauty of this one is that there's very few property owners, and uh, um, you know, and, and this is like like you were talking about earlier. This is a concept. Uh, nobody is. Uh, it, it would have. It's, it's strictly a concept. It's something that could be done if all the pieces fell into the right places. But it's something that that's worthy of of the city taking a look at. The um, the, the the concept, as I understand it, uh, would include uh, some pathway uh, for pedestrian access, and so uh, walkers, joggers, uh, runners, cyclists um, could. Uh, travel um, uh, adjacent to the Marsh Creek, and my understanding is that um, there could be some potential connectivity. Uh, you know, you could pick this up at one end, and people living adjacent uh, to this uh, greenway, which included a trail, uh, could actually um, walk, jog, or bike to work. Uh, I don't want to get too carried away, but 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 but. But this is a concept that has worked in some other urban environments. Uh, this just happens to be very leading edge for Sandy Springs, and 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 it and it it would come together with a number of partners. And as you mentioned, there are fewer number of property owners, which makes it a little easier. Uh, doesn't make it a done deal by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you have the city, you have the county, uh, you may have the state involved. Uh, you may have some corporate uh, entities uh, involved. And um, this uh, is what I was referring to when I talked about uh, uh, Dr. John Crompton of Texas A&M. You know, there are folks that have looked at um, funding mechanisms and public policy related to projects um, like this. And uh, uh, as it appears, there is a developer of a large uh, section of property uh, Ashton Woods is a de- developer, and and my um, sense is that Ashton Woods is a forward-thinking developer looking to do some things on property that is adjacent uh, to the Marsh Creek um, uh, larger um, uh, tributary off the, the Chattahoochee with a smaller tributary that goes through their property, and that they are looking closely at, at being protective of that smaller tributary and creating some connectivity to this Marsh Creek concept. So so you have folks yeah. coming around to, to, to seeing the value of this yeah, it, it, potential. It, it, takes a, it wouldn't take a lot of work and everything, uh, but uh, the fact that you only have a limited amount of property owners and that the city of Sandy Springs is one of them uh, helps to reduce the complexity, but I, I I would be hopeful that the city would take a look at it, uh, uh, it and given the the scarcity of of such property, uh, you know, hopefully they would 
um, embrace it. Yeah, for local residents, uh, some of this property is just north of the tennis facility. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you can actually sort of see, um, you, you can see uh, some of that um, creek um, where a channel has been created between the tennis center and uh, the Weber School, but then it travels um, due east, and uh, you have um, uh, trees that, that pretty much uh, uh, are, are a barrier to, to seeing the actual water, but uh, this project would uh, uh, carefully um, create trails that are adjacent and, you know, a safe distance from the water and it would be a lovely, a really very pretty um, uh, greenway uh, on which to take a jog or a, a bike ride. Yeah, and and uh, Matt Monday, who's uh, with uh, Georgia EPD and who's on our advisory uh, board, has indicated taken a look at the concept and said that permitting from the state le- state perspective wouldn't be a problem. So yeah, this, it's something that we should take a look at. Um, one of the sort of the associated uh, um, issues uh, that we're looking at is the redevelopment or the de- the development of uh, the Mason uh, Mason property. Um, we've we've told the city we back in October uh, we gave the city a, a, our perspective even though we didn't know who was going to buy it some of the issues that we had with how, how it's developed and I think I think there will be uh, hopefully some um, receptivity on their part uh, to ensuring that it's developed in a sensitive manner well I, I think that the SSEP uh, is playing a valuable uh, role in helping uh, the private developers working with the city, bringing together various partners, including science in, in all of the uh, work to create a environmentally protective uh, atmosphere here in Sandy Springs and improve quality of life. And I want to say thank you for that, Bill. Well, you're welcome. And, and I thanks for being a guest today on the Business Hour. We're on 10 to 11 on Fridays. Have a great weekend. Have um, a good week next week. We'll see you on the radio next Friday. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.